Welcome to that 80s show. It's a nice day for a Karen White wedding. Does that work? That works. <laughs> I, I was going to say it's a nice day for a secret rendezvous, but yours is much more interesting. Much well, I'm more. going to be your superwoman, so there we go. <laughs> oh, I imagine that. I imagine that. Hello, Dorian Barrett. How are you, my, my super friends? <laughs> Superb and brilliant. So we on that 80s show have uh, started reaching out to 1980s stars who are very accommodating. They, they're making the time for us. Uh, let's be honest, everyone's got the time. No one's traveling around the world. And uh, we've spoken to Air Supply. We've spoken to Joan Armour Trading. And this week, uh, she's quite a favorite in South Africa, uh, Karen White. Uh, Barrett reached out to her people, and she joined us a few weeks ago from Hotlanta. One of my favorite places in America, Hotlanta. Oh, my word. Barrett, how glamorous. I mean, we'll post up and uh, we, pro- we, we posted up a, a little short video of the interview with Karen. How glamorous did she look? Mm. Absolutely beautiful and amazing. Oh, my word. She's into real estate and opulent house. What a chandelier she had in the background, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> looking as glamorous as she always had. And uh, she spent probably about 45 minutes speaking to us, uh, mostly about the 80s. Uh, but uh, also about what she's up to now. Really cool stuff and inspiring stuff and really progressive and, and, and a lot of interesting projects that she's got. Totally agree. But what I want to throw in, and I'm not sure if you're going to ask this later on, but for me, her energy was so infectious that by the time we were finished off the, with the interview, I was like bouncing off the walls even more than normal. So it was like, <laughs> ah! Like you and you bounce a lot, Barrett. I and know. I bounce a lot. You guys know me. Forget the listeners who don't know me, I'm like always bouncing, hopping along, doing my thing. But after that, I was like, this isn't like the Energizer Bunny and um, that bunny on the Roadrunner, the Roadrunner. I was like, those times ten. <laughs> if, listen, if you want to see Barrett bouncing, go check out Cliff Central's TikTok account. He's the white guy dancing, and boy, has he got moves. <laughs> so before this goes into an uncomfortable place and I lose my breakfast. Um, <laughs> uh, so we, we, we spoke to Karen White, uh, spoke to her about her time in the 80s, some of the music collabs that she did, her backup singing. I mean, she, she was a backup singer before she, she had her hits. She was a backup singer to quite a few huge R&B slash pop names in the 80s. Uh, what a fun time we had with her. We hope you enjoy it. And as Barrett does, he takes our favorite 80 stars all the way back to the 1980s. We want to take it all to the very beginning of when you started music. How did you get into the music and business and how did you meet Jeff Loba and how did that collaboration come, to, come about? I was raw. Warner Brothers said, oh my God, you know, uh, she's a star. Um, I love the fact that I was with a boutique label, Warner Brothers, Jeff Lorber, Benny Medina, the amazing team that I had. Um, they said, we want to do our own version of what Patty Austin did, Patty, James, and Quincy. So they wanted Jeff Lorber to do that. So I, um, I'm putting together, I wrote a song for Stephanie Mills and I, uh, my band at the time, who was my boyfriend's band, who played with Prince and Sheila and O'Brien and, uh, put together a demo tape and so I Jeff heard me from this demo tape and so it just goes to I want to say this because it's so important that um 
I invested back into myself. I didn't expect for anybody else to do it. So I've always had the mentality of being an entrepreneur. Um, so I, uh, Jeff Wilber heard it and uh, he had me do an audition. And the Daz band actually, Keith, I believe, he auditioned me in the studio. And uh, I, w- I didn't want to do it because I thought, I don't know, you know, I wasn't a jazz singer. I was a pop and R&B and vocalist. And um, so I was intimidated. And But I, I went, I didn't realize that they were wanting to cross over into that whole pop R&B world. Hooked up with Sturkin and Rogers who gave us this amazing music for Jeff and um, toured with him. And Dave, Dave Cos was in the band and, you know, the sax player. And uh, we had we had an amazing um, experience, Jeff and I, and just uh, growing and learning from the best musicians and, you know, starting out really at the, with the cream of the crop, you know, so it was amazing. Your first album was produced by Ella Reed and Babyface. How did that collaboration come about? Wow. Everybody wanted to get lucky enough. <laughs> it was, first of all, of course it was Jam and Lewis because they were just the kings of radio, you know, yeah. with all the hits. And, and they could do fast. They can do the up temples and the ballads and the crossover pop. So they were the, just the premiere. And Jimmy and Terry, I mean, in uh, LA and Face wanted to be where they were. Um, and I, they considered themselves, you know, coming up, you know, uh, through the Dick Griffey. They all came up through Solar. And so they were, ha- you know, they had the whispers out at the time. Rocksteady was like number one. And Babyface had had his first album. And they were working with this amazing kid named Bobby Brown. <laughs> um, he was hot on the charts with Don't Be Cruel. And they were in the studio with, you know, Pebbles and, Johnny Gill and Karen White. And so that time, and I say all of that, Sheena Easton, because I sang background on all of those records. Um, mm-hmm. And they used me, you know, as a background vocalist after we started working. But the, the chemistry was incredible. We had something to prove, you know. We wanted to take over the world and they wanted to become, you know, the next Jam and Lewis. And um, I was their Janet. And it was incredible. We, we did, at first we were scheduled to do, I think, three songs. And then it just kept, you know, going deeper and deeper. And as I look back at it, you know, um, in the studio, L.A. See, we had, you know, Face, L.A. and Daryl Reed. So, I mean, Daryl Simmons. So Face, you know, pretty much was a little bit shy. And um, L.A. was the one who was more, you know, outgoing, crazy. So that fit my personality. So he <laughs> would, so kind of, they, you know, it's kind of like Jim and Lewis do the same thing. They kind of take the temperament, who's going to get closer to the artist and pull, especially when you're starting a, a creative in the studio. You know, there's, you know, you, there's intimidation, there's fear, trepidation. So um, L.A. was was who I pretty much did most of my vocals with. And it was incredible. He would kick my butt. We'd go to dance and all of us would go out, then we'd come back and then we happy Mrs. Wright. I think of you. And we'd go in the studio and do the up temple stuff. And it, it was an incredible a magic moment. And um I love that whole era of time. Prince was hot, Michael, Anita, Luther, oh, Tina Turner, just what, a, uh, what an incredible time in music. You said you did backing uh, vocalists on some of these artists' uh, um, albums or singles. 
So is it in at the same time as you recording yours? Well, I was doing backing vocals prior, you know, especially once, I'm not sure if you've heard of Sturkett and Rogers, but Evan taught me the, the art of singing background. So I sang background while I was performing. Let uh, I me mean, work it on my album, which was great for the Ching Ching. I was able to get a Suzuki Peep <laughs> and double and triple scale. Never forget that. And uh, as well as after. So I performed on Roni and Every Little Step um, with Bobby Brown and then Sheena Easton. Talking about the love. Talk about the love. That one and Pebbles yeah. and Johnny Gill. Um, yeah. So I'm, I was pretty much their backup girl. Um, and um, so the, the relationship continued on. So your second album with Jimmy Jam and Lewis, Terry Lewis, how was that experience? What was that collaboration like? Well, it came about, honestly, because uh, Jimmy and Terry uh, being able to have the time to work with me, because unfortunately, Ellie and Face were so incredibly hot that they were offered their own production deal and their own, not even production, their own record deal through LaFace, through Clyde. And um, they couldn't kind of, you know, I was kind of like the competition to the girls. So for them to do a Karen White, it was kind of a competition when they were trying to break Tony Braxton. So unfortunately, the relationship that was so incredible that produced so many hits, that was the first artists to have three number one records hit number one on their solo. I'm in the Guinness World Book of Records for what we've done together, but they wow. weren't able to, they had to pick so many people. So um, our relationship ended and it, it was, uh, like I said, when Terry, when, you know, like, you know, Terry and I had been dating at the time and uh, it wasn't, it wasn't even so much that, he was like, why aren't you working with them? You know, of course they, because they felt that they were coming behind something that was successful and great. It's like, so um, we got together and uh, the beautiful part about working with Jimmy and Terry, which I've always wanted to work with them, especially, you know, just the, like I said, just the amazing things that they've done with Janet and Alex. And so I got to work with them and it was uh, great. It was different because they wanted me to write more, which I was a songwriter. So that, was awesome so it was a whole nother experience and they used another side of my voice whereas Jimmy and Terry being Ellie and Face like the raw edgy just I don't know emotion packed they like the more sleek sensual side so I felt like okay it was two sides who am I today okay <laughs> so <laughs> with romantic you know I, co I wrote the, the melody and lyrics Jimmy and Terry came with the track and also and the I was the first first joint that became, you know, number one pop and black. So that was uh, Warner Brothers did their thing on that. I think we knocked out Cream, uh, Prince's Cream. So uh, that was that was pretty pretty amazing working with them as well. Do you plan to release any new music? Oh yeah, I'm always uh, you know I released uh, Carpe Diem in yes. 2012 which was produced by Derek Deal A. Allen, who's got quite, I think he had the number one record this year with Joe, an album. Um, no, Kim, Kim, but he also had number one record with Joe. So, and then I did a soundtrack for a movie that I co-produced in the independent space called Gale and the Storm, which uh, 
I was very excited about Catch That. You guys, uh, most people don't know, that was on Amazon and now it's on Tubi TV and YouTube. You can see it on YouTube. So I'm definitely going to be um, trying to figure this. I've been trying to figure this whole music streaming platform. How do we sell? How do we make money? Um, I've been trying to figure that out. And that was one of the reasons why I got with my hip hop artist, my young artist, Akbar, because I, I wanted to look at it from a business perspective, not me, being me. So I wanted to have him, him, you know, do all the things with social media. And even though he doesn't have the name that I have, I just uh, really trying to understand the, how it works. And that, what I found is that it's a different space. It's not going to be, you know, the same as when I was with Warner Brothers and have this big marketing budget for the whole world to know I got a record out. But you have your, if you could get 10,000 loyal followers, they can support your, your whole career. And um, that's what I do. So I go to, I have, I usually always stay in contact with my loyal fans and, you know, trying to sell at least 10,000 records. And um, of course we want to go greater, but uh, that's been sustaining me. So I definitely will be doing, working on another record. Um, And I have something coming out with Akbar soon. That's kind of like a cross between a Lizzo type of fun 80s, 90s, but with the, you know, the hip hop edge. And it's really cute because it really fits my brand, but it fits him too. So that's like the perfect record where you're not trying to be what you're not, but it's just the best of that era. You know, kind of like what Bruno Mars and Anderson Pac are doing. It's just, you know, when you do it great, it's like, wow, you know, magical. So working on that, that should be coming out, um, hopefully September. Tell us about the experience of uh, coming to South Africa, performing here. (laughs) You're talking about the joy of my life, the jewel that um, just so blessed to have this country of people there that love me. And uh, I go there and I just, um, it just melts my heart. It it really, uh, I love my South African fans. They love me. I have this love affair and I'm not, since I've been there, it's like, I'm not letting you go. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) And then as somebody who has performed around the world, what is it like to see the world evolve and change over time? Wow. It's, it's incredible. It's, you know, the world, you know, the internet definitely brought us all together and you feel this closeness and something that, you know, I never had before. Like I said, I never knew that I even had this fan base in South Africa. So after being in the business, having hits, never performing over there and then coming over there 18 years, uh, 20 years from being removed from the business, it, it, it blew me away. So it just shows you the power of music and how it's, it's you know, like you guys call it evergreens. They say, can I write? You're an evergreen. And then to hear, <laughs> and yeah, and then to hear that my music has, you know, passed down to generations, not just, you know, my my age range, but even the younger, they're, they're taught about these artists and just the history of uh, just understanding the music the way it is and how it's really life. It's not so much a separate thing. It's like, it's really, music is just healing. It's it's just everything that you would want it to be. And um, I'm just proud to be, I'm just glad they love me. <laughs> I'm just, because I love them. I'm so glad that they, that I found them and we found each other after all these years. 
Oh, you guys. Look, I'm talking like (laughs) (laughs) And now I'm going to take you all the way back to the 80s because we're obsessed with the 80s on this show. Before you even started collaborating with all those people and you've mentioned a bunch of great artists, who were you listening to in the 80s? Who was the, what was the music you were obsessed with before you started? Of course, Prince, uh, Tina Turner, Madonna, Peter Gabriel, um, Chicago, uh, gosh, who else? I mean, there were so many. Uh, Cindy Lauper, um, who else? Michael, of course. Just uh, who else? I'm trying to think of 80s. It was just so many. Uh, so many George Michael, Janet, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the list goes on. Jody Watley, you know. Um, I just that era, that movement. Who's the boy boy groups? Bobby Brown, I'll be sure, Guy. I mean, uh, yeah, the list goes on. And what what are you listening to these days? Hip hop. <laughs> uh, you know, J. Cole and Wale and uh, Kendrick Lamar and uh, who else? Who else? Um, Janae Akio, who else? Um, Summer, her, Anderson Pack, um, Bruno, I got it. You're being too loud. <laughs> Bruno. Um, and who is this? Someone I just found. Oh, I love Earth Game. They're like the new, um, uh, what is it? Andre 3000's group, Outcast, and out here in Atlanta. Okay. Yeah. Oh, cool. I've never heard of them. I'll check them out. Yeah, that sounds they're cool. Great. They're incredible. Yeah, artsy and just you know all the essence of what you know uh, Andre 3000 and and Big Boy were. You know, so those are some of the artists. You uh, you mentioned Cindy Lauper, and I noticed on the album Cope DM you did a beautiful cover of Time After Time. How did that uh, song come about? How did you choose to create that version of that song? True Colors. Um, oh, True Colors, sorry. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, my producer kind of gave that to me as a gift, and um, <clears throat> it uh, it's just such a beautiful song and, and about, you know, I felt like it really represented who I was coming back from quitting the music business and um, just living a life outside of it and just, you know, um, appreciating, just being grateful, gratitude about the love that I received coming back. So True Colors, every time I sing that, it, uh, you know, it just, it's, 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 it really hit home, you know, because it's such a beautiful lyric about, you know, not being afraid of, you know, who you are and yeah. your journey. And um, I was every bit afraid of who I was after I left and forgot who I was. So it took a lot for me to um, to come back. And, and um, I'm, I'm so glad I did because I, it, I love it. And I, I kind of told myself, I didn't realize it was fear or why I kept saying it because it was first of all, you know, I went through a mother died, divorced from Terry. Really, so I just kind of lost a little bit of my why and my who and and um, I wanted to definitely make sure that I was raising my daughter, you know, and, and being there for her because I know some people think, they say, I, you know, my big song is Superwoman. They're like, how could you 
you know, you are the superwoman. How could you quit? Oh, because I didn't have the balance of, I didn't know how to be a great mother and an awesome artist and, you know, um, a wife, great wife. At the same time, for me, I'm always trying to find balance. I'm, so I'm very, very happy that I was able to, because um, I knew I always wanted to be a star my whole life. I was producing at the age of six and seven and doing pageants. So very driven, you know, and that's what it took when you live in LA, you know, to, to make it. Like you really had to, it had to eat and breathe and live it and love it. So that's all I really knew. So I really became an adult after I did all those things and, you know, and realized how smart I was and how smart my parents were to teach me about, you know, being an entrepreneur. So when I started to get into real estate, flipping homes and staging homes and being very successful financially and understanding business, that really gave me a sense you know, a pride of like, okay, not only are you your success at whatever you do is because really it's your work ethic. And I was realized why I was Karen White, because I never knew, you know, when you're on this journey, you can't sit back and think about what made you successful because you're too busy trying to keep up with the next. I got to write the next I got to be. So when yeah. I sat back, I said, wow, I guess anything I would have been successful at because my work ethic was so strong. And I got that from my parents. You mentioned earlier about um, the way music is consumed these days and it's trying to understand that. So right. understanding that we both know that the evolution of how music is produced and consumed by listeners has drastically changed since the 80s compared to now. What are your thoughts on the digital, on the streaming platforms and how this has changed the production and how music is released? Ooh, um, there's a lot of layers to that question because I love the fact that we don't need, and this is me being such an independent rebel that I am. I love that we don't have to have a Warner Brothers or a Universal like before to get out there. Not saying it's easy. Yeah. Look, nothing about it is easy. But um, being able to control your own destiny is pretty amazing to know that if you put the hard work in it, you know, posting and social and connecting with your fans and grinding, really, really, really just showing up and, and, and um, just being undeniable that it will happen, you know, especially if you have great music, of course, you know, yep. you have to have the talent, but in the work ethic. So I love that fact that, that it's not, I crown, you know, I'm going to give you a deal where something, you know, <laughs> I hate the fact that, somebody my life is in their hands that's what I don't like that's why I produce my own movies and all of that because those odds are one percent it's like okay you and of course I'm thankful I am a part of that one percent who made it so um the streaming you know being you know Spotify is on the um on the stock market you know I don't think it's fair unfortunately financially to the artist um we're you know there's a lot of money being made off of our music and like you know and it Big business, they're a billion dollar, uh, maybe, I don't even, maybe trillion, Spotify, billion. No, they're billion. And and um, I just don't feel like we're really, as artists, we haven't really gotten that type of, um, we're not being paid like we should. So yeah. that part I don't like because um, I feel like the business structure is, is not quite what it should be for yeah. artists and um that would be the only thing. And I don't know how to rectify it 
but I do know that I love to go direct, you know, from taken from an amazing artist called Amanda Palmer, who raised over a million dollars through her fan base. And she connects directly with them. She loves them. She stays at their home. That's, that's what I'm on. That's, that's the new. And if you don't, if you get stuck in that old way, you're going to lose because that's, it's, it's shifted. It's just like with COVID, the world has changed. It's not yeah. going to be the same. So that's what I'm realizing. It's like, even, you know, even saying, okay, I'm going to show up and at your, some of my fans may have a Christmas party and I'm going to go there and I'm going to sing. And it, it has to come down to just that direct communication and, and, um, and just putting, you know, like I said, that's a thousand people, 10,000 people can support you. And, uh, just keeping that direct fan to artists. And uh, that's really what it comes down to. I love Amanda Palmer. I mean, The Art of Asking is one of the best TED Talks you'll ever watch. If you guys haven't seen it, you need to watch it. It's really amazing. And she does. She has such a loyal fan base. And she was actually here in South Africa a few years ago, and and I met her, and she was amazing. (laughs) It was an amazing experience. something else. Yeah. (laughs) She is a true rock star. I mean, like... You know, and like you said, the art of asking, I got to read that book again, because that's what I, I think that's what the hardest part about, especially this era of 80s, because it was, we were supposed, we grew up being like mystique, you know, come on, Prince, Michael, those artists is like, you never knew Madonna, you know, it was a mystique. That's what made us popular. Oh, I wonder, you know, so, you know, so, so uh, shifting you just have to, you know, you can't, you just got to stay in this thing. And, and I love how, you know, I think there needs to be a unity too. And I'm going to say this, and I always um, believe that as artists, if we work together, like, because on, on, I feel like the, the artists from my era, they don't, we don't really help each other. Like we could really like share my stuff. I'll share your stuff because we always, nobody wants to beg and feel like, Okay, I got a record out. Listen to it. You know, I'm at Spotify. I'm at, you know, and they get, it's like, you've done this 10 times. Okay, you're like, okay, I'm over it. But it takes a synergy and a team. And that's what I'm realizing with Akbar. I have Supernova Records Unlimited. And it's just a, you have this community helping you. And that's really, I, I believe if us 80s artists, if we really just came together and helped each other more, sharing each other's new stuff, because we have great, we don't want to be defined as like, that's it. It's like, yeah. like there's a lot of more music. The world yeah. has changed. I'm better vocally. I, I can sing way better than I did. So it's like, if anything, I'm like, I want to be putting out music, but it's like, it's expensive. You know, you have radio that they're saying, if you know, in order to go probably top 10 or top five, it's going to take from 100,000 to 200,000. And and then me being a businesswoman, I'm saying, how does that make sense? It's like, well, maybe you're going to tour more and it'll help you get um, out there. So I'm like, maybe I can't, you know what I mean? Like, this is not business. Like, it, they, it's so crazy how the entertainment industry is like different from how you evaluate like a real business. I'm like, I can't put, spend 200000 on a radio, buy uh, 50000 on a producer. And then, where's the, you know what I mean? Where's the profit? You know, no. and I'm putting, so that's where Amanda Palmer, like you said, if you guys want to see me make music, help me. <laughs> yeah, and absolutely. That's the beautiful part about 
her saying, this is our, it's us, it's a community. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, she's been able to do that, you know, I'm hoping that in the space of hip hop and R&B that they will respond like, you know, her fan base gets that. But I don't know if that's quite, uh, the, you know, the education factor of, of you got to help us. Because they always go, Karen, when do you put out music? New music. Uh, it costs a lot of money. You know what I mean? So we'll see. I'm going to try it. That's my next phase. I'm glad we talked about this today because... You know, we need to, I, I think if we had like a community, I'm going to try to put on a summit or something and yeah. where we can come together. And if we're all doing it, then I'm not looking like the only one over here asking yeah. fans to help me. You understand? So yeah. it's like, I'm sure, Guy, Teddy Riley, Face, let's get, you know, oh, but you know what I mean? Let's make this <laughs> yeah. like Amanda Palmer. And and that's uh, I'm something I'm probably, I'm going to try to do a little campaign. At. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I'll be looking out for that. That sounds yeah. awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. But but also what what you mentioned is that you know people being in unity in the music industry, and you often find that the um the media pin people against each other, like this artist against that artist, and they create this whole storyline of there being adversity amongst each other. Where in the, back in the ranch there isn't any of that, but. It creates this, you know, disunity amongst uh, the observation of the fans. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I'm always competing against myself. I can't be anybody but the best version of me. And I, and I don't want to. And that whole, and that's why, you know, in Instagram and stuff can be pretty dangerous because, you know, we're yeah. all showing, showing that side of us only. Um, but, um, you know, I, I'm... I'm hoping, because I'm one of those artists, I love to root for people. And I know, because I stepped away from the business and I became a person. So most people that have stayed in it and they, they're just, it's so hard to, to kind of get out of that competition yeah. thing. You know what I mean? Whereas for me, I, and I noticed that coming back, I, I tried to ask some artists to, you know, help me, you know, share this, whatever. And, and they looked at it as, I could tell it was a very competitive space. And I'm like, wow. Um, but but I understand that, you know, that's just kind of what was ingrained, especially the mm. competition at that time. You know, when I was out, like, I still can't remember. I, I look back, I'm like, it's just crazy. I can't even believe that I was, you know, because just if you it just you just see such incredible artists and you're like, Anita Baker, I'm on, you know, I'm nominated a Grammy with her and you know, like, it's just crazy. Um, but um, I, I'm always going to, I'm always the type of artist who's going to root for other people. You'll never hear me hating. And I don't know how I feel about the versus thing. It's like, I, I guess I like it if they're celebrating, you know, each other's catalogs. But you know how it is. It's still that little underlining, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, you know. I, I guess. I mean, I would love to do it because, like you said, it's a celebration of your catalog, and especially for me, I feel like a lot of my catalog wasn't released. Um, some of the best music, so it would be great for them to discover like my new and stuff like that. But you definitely you got to go in there knowing, you know what I mean? It's like okay, put leave your ego at the door, you know. Yeah. But. It's hard, you know, because when you get on stage, you know, and I'm, I'm a competitive person for me, but I do feel like anybody that goes behind me when I'm on stage, 
they're going to have a hard time. That's just the school I come from. I, I'm a big fan of James Brown, <laughs> and I believe in leaving it all on the floor. When you get off <laughs> the stage, make it smoke, and they're like, oh, my God. You know what I mean? I just, I'm going to go there, and I've performed, and people will go, oh, my God. She's a firehouse. She, you know, because I'm using my energy, my... Yeah. I'm a dancer. I'm a rock star, and I'm good. And I, I turn into something pre Beyonce. That's just who I am. So I don't even know. I have an out of body experience because the energy from the audience is what makes me do whatever I do. So in South Africa, I'll jump off the stage, and I have all the security following me, and because love was there, and I'm just going through the audience and just singing and. Just celebrating, and it's so funny because they know this now. They're like, "Okay, hold on. she's gonna go off. Is she gonna go off?" <laughs> and normally I do because I just want to love. I just that love is so real, yeah. and it's so um, unconditional and yeah. so appreciated. Whereas in the states, it's just like, "Oh, okay, that's Karen White." You know, <laughs> my super fans, but not. You know, when you go to like Japan or London or. South Africa, it's a whole nother, they ain't messing with y'all, in other words. <laughs> yeah, the love is real. <laughs> well, I can believe it, because you look amazing. You don't look like you've aged since the 80s at all, so oh, I believe it. <laughs> thank you. I, I, I'm, I'm, like I said, you know, I got some heroes. I got some, some shoes to fill. Tina Turner, come on. Yeah. You know, so every time I look, when I'm in there doing my, I picked up a little COVID weight and I keep, see Tina Turner. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> come on, I mean, like, to see her and, you know, still, you know, so, you know, being a rock star at 70. Like, come yeah. on. Like, you can't, yep. you know, like, you can't front on that. You cannot front on that. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. For me, age. It's just a number that doesn't exist. So you as oh, as young or as old as you want to be, absolutely. And you got, and that's the thing about like South Africa, <laughs> London, all um, you, I totally get that energy when I go to those places. It's just like, you know, I, like I just call us, we're like rock stars forever. You know, you guys, you guys have a young swag and the energy because you love it. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. a passion and uh, it's real. It really is. And and uh, I love to 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 go, you know, and suck up that energy because it's it's just so uh, the music catalog. I'm in, I'm in, I did a, I forgot the name of the station I was in, but we played, I was uh, his guest DJ and we kept going back and forth and all the music that I was just like, you guys know, they know that it was so deep and rich and um, not the, not the hits. I'm talking about the deep, the B-sides, the best stuff. And I'm like, ah, oh. so I, I was really just uh, blew, blown away by the vast knowledge and love of music and R&B soul. So that's what's up. So. What I know you said you've got the uh, music with Akbar coming out in September. What else? What's next for Karen? What's next? Well, Karen is, um, let me see, what is next? Okay, I'm working on a short film. I'll be, after I get off with you guys, I'm going to be doing my lines, uh, doing a short film, submitting to festivals, and that's called La Caja. Um, so that's a thriller. Um, and then after that, I'm, my foundation, you guys, which I'm so passionate about, the Karen White Foundation, 
Um, I want, my dream is to do like Sophia Amoruso with Girl Boss, build this community of uh, African-American women through business to financial literacy, educate, uh, put us under one space, love on each other spiritually, physically, emotionally, social media, uh, all of this. Yeah, but it's a lot out here um, and it's so needed so you don't get lost in com- comparing and you know, and, and depression and not knowing, you know, especially how to navigate in today's world that's ever-changing, understanding business. And I've learned so much, um, and I want to share it. I want to get some amazing people on the platform to do it with me and just come together, um, you know, have artists there and have uh, smart educated women and put together this just awesome community. So the KarenWhitefoundation.com. Um, if you guys want to uh, donate is uh, a fact, you know, we're dealing, helping uh, women in business. And um, so that's, that's what I'm doing. You guys, that's my next project. And then uh, after that, we'll be getting back to the music and I'll be getting my Amanda Palmer on the art of asking to, to make it <laughs> So they can help put this great music out that's so needed um, today. It's so yeah. needed. It really is. Just, it's really needed, you guys. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking forward to when you come back to perform in South Africa. Because when you were last year, I was living overseas, so unfortunately I miss you. So I'm definitely going to be right up in oh front. Oh, my God. Wow. Okay, what part of South Africa are you guys in? Uh, Johannesburg. Johannesburg, South Africa. No bird. No bird. <laughs> yeah, that show I did in Joe Berg was so hot. I'm gonna have to post it. When I tell you we lit that stage up from the time I mean the audience knew every word. I, I mean it was woo. I had to woo. I really didn't. All I could do is just cry. Like it just it was overwhelming love of just hearing, you know. Every song, I'd rather be alone. Can I stay with you? You know, Superwoman, of course. Um, uh, Here comes the pain. I mean, just all the stuff that you know. Just it was just a beautiful time, and I will never, I will never, I cherish that. I, I have amazing footage, um, and uh, the love, like I said, is just incredible. So I just want to let you guys know I'm excited. I can't wait to come back. I, getting it together. We may be doing a streaming event uh, for South Africa. We're in talks with that now. Okay. So, yeah. And um, I went to Pretoria and I went to uh, Cape. What was it? Cape? What is it called, you guys? Cape Town. Cape, Cape, Cape Town. Yeah, Cape Town. And then I went, I did a festival. I forgot. I was a rock star. We went from, we had a private plane. We sure. went from Pretoria to, I can't think of where it was. But and then we didn't perform until six in the morning. Can you believe it? Was crazy. It was like, okay, get off stage, 10 o'clock, then get, you know, play an hour, like 30 minutes, and then sit there and perform at six for this festival. I was like, whoa, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I I, I mean, it was like, I never did that. Everybody's like sleeping, saying, okay, we got it going. Like, I'm like, boy. And I couldn't believe the people were out there. That's the point. I'm like, Okay, I know I gotta bring it. If they're if they they're more tired than me, sitting through all, of them, you know what I mean. So I really, 
It was great, but we, uh, at least I, they only had, to, my show got cut down to only two songs, so I was like, oh, thank God. And so I just did, like, you know, I don't know, I can't remember, I think I did Rather Be Alone and, and Superwoman, so I just did the ballads. I didn't have to get funky with them. <laughs> I had an energy, I was like, thank God. <laughs> yeah. We really appreciate your time today. It's been an absolute honor and pleasure to have you on the show. Oh, thank you. It's been an honor. And I just want to tell you guys, you know, like I said, I appreciate you. This means so much. And thank you for just, you know, keeping the music alive. And because us artists of this era can kind of feel thrown away. So it's it's wonderful that you guys are acknowledging and you have this platform. Salute you guys. Congratulations. I felt a few times we didn't include all of it. I felt a few times that I had to pay for that interview because in between she broke out into song so many times <laughs> and gave us these like little personal performances. It was so cool, I have to was, say. When you know, when she was jamming and doing her thing, yeah, you know, like I said, I after doing that interview, I was like running around the studio a few times to calm myself down. <laughs> so my favorite part is how um, she speaks about investing in yourself and her, her very strong entrepreneurial side and helping out other artists and giving platforms to other artists. But also, uh, listen, guys, I really love the idea of s talking about bringing together a lot of 80s artists to help promote each other and promote each other's new work. I don't know. I think I think she's reaching out to us to maybe... That's our role in the bigger world of the 80s. Well, I, I've really <laughs> put that question <laughs> into the universe uh, last <laughs> week. <laughs> and has, it's really and, like and it's starting its planning motions, wheels for when we can. So just saying. <laughs> I really like what she said is that uh, about 80s artists and somehow being a little bit discarded in a way and that people like us, like our show, you know, hmm. gives them a platform and brings them back and doesn't let the music or the memory of them die. So we're great, guys. Well done to all of you. <laughs> and uh, Hatching myself on my, um, on my back. Well done, Barrett. You do that. Mm. Hatch yourself away. <laughs> I just want to put it out there for Karen White. If she wants to release new music, Joan Armour Trading, after our interview with her, she entered the charts at number 10. Okay. Mm. And her album is just doing fantastic things. Yep. I don't want to say the two events are related, but the two events did happen together. So our interview could mean something. I'm just putting I'm just putting it in the world. Not correlation, causation, who cares? Exactly. Mm. Well, hope you enjoyed that interview with Karen White. Uh, share it with your friends. If you listen to this on the podcast, share it with your friends. Send it out to everybody. Keep following us on that 80 Show essay on Facebook to find out details of some of the exciting interviews coming up. We've got a few South African artists that we'll also be talking to very soon and uh, some really, really big names pottering around. This one particular big name is shooting a new TV show and may be able to speak to us once they're wrapping that TV show. Oh, you know who this artist fingers is? Fingers crossed. Oh, my word. <laughs> fingers crossed, know. toes crossed, everything crossed. I want to know what that TV show is about. That, that's what I want to know. That's what I was also thinking. <laughs> now we're really teasing everyone. Wow. <laughs> Thank you for listening. That 80 show is on Cliff Central uh, every Friday live at 9 or get details of where you can listen again on that 80 show. 
essay on Facebook. Goodbye, Barrett. Goodbye, Dari. Goodbye. Goodbye.